Today we continue in our series Lessons from Lockdown. While we are all experiencing a lockdown of sorts with social distancing and staying away from others, we thought it would be timely to look at the four letters that Paul wrote while he was in prison, locked away. Last week, Sterling preached from Ephesians and talked about what it means to be together as one people as the body of Christ. So today, we will look at the letter to the Philippians, thought to be Paul's favorite church, to see what he has to say to them. So here now, a reading from Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 14, and chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. I want you to know, beloved, that what has happened to me has actually helped to spread the gospel, so that it may become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers and sisters, having been made confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, dare to speak the word with greater boldness and without fear. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. I urge Euodia and Sintich to be of one mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you also, my loyal companion, help these women, for they have struggled beside me in the work of the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be made known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoicing is a key note of this letter. The Greek word that the NRSV translation says as always can also mean at all times. This indicates an ongoing activity, not based on a particular circumstance. You find, find yourself a little cynical saying, yeah, yeah, Paul, rejoicing is great when everything's going to plan, when life is normal, and when I'm in control. But all circumstances? Come on, Paul. But remember, Paul wrote these words to these communities when he was in prison. As Sterling said last week, we don't know exactly what that meant, what prison was like in that times, but we can imagine that it wasn't all rainbows and butterflies being held somewhere against their own will. A prison cell is an unlikely post for God's mission, but here, Paul rejoices. He rejoices because he knows that God is still God despite his current state. He rejoices because God is still in control and he knows that when he rejoices, he points others towards that truth. He exemplifies to us what it means to rejoice in the Lord always. And then Paul addresses the Philippian community. He's heard that they're struggling and dealing with some conflict between them, between these two women is who he's writing to in this instance. And he tells them to stand firm in the Lord and to rejoice always. 
But he doesn't just stop there. He gives them really specific instructions about how to do this, how to stand firm, and how to rejoice always. First, he tells them, do not worry about anything. And this surely would have recalled to them Jesus when he spoke on the Sermon on the Mount. He told them, do not worry about what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear. And this is really tough. And if I'm honest, this is a really hard thing for me to do, to not worry. But one of the marks of the Christian life is non-anxious presence. Not because our lives are perfect or because we have everything figured out, but because we have chosen to not worry because Jesus has commanded us to. And again, this is not something that happens overnight. It takes a long time of practice. And Paul tells us how we can stop worrying with his second piece of advice. He says, do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Paul knows that people cannot just turn on a light switch and stop worrying. It is a long process that takes a lifetime of faith to get to. But part of that process is learning to turn our worries into prayer, into a conversation with God as an outflow of our relationship with God. And Paul tells us that when we do this, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul uses the language of rejoicing to encourage and remind the Christians in Philippi that they have a story of faith. They have experienced God's presence in their life, and Paul reminds them of this story and how it should characterize their everyday, their mindsets, even and especially when things get really tough. The Philippians, and we today, are people whose lives should emanate this non-anxious presence in prayerfulness. We are people whose thoughts should overflow with whatever is honorable, just, pure, pleasing, and commendable not because of our situations, but because of the one who loves us and reigns despite what's happening in our lives. By now, you might have noticed where we are today. We are in front of some of the hospitals right here in Mobile. Hospitals and healthcare workers have been on the forefront of many of our minds because, well, we're in the middle of a pandemic. And these healthcare heroes have been on the front lines of this crisis. But even outside of a pandemic, hospitals are incredible places where the full range of human emotions can happen at the exact same time. Think about it. Babies can be born, people receive radiation or treatments, they undergo life-altering surgeries, people have organs transplanted. True miracles happen every day in hospitals. Miracles that bring us to the highest height of joy and excitement with God. And on the other end of the spectrum, people get sick and have serious health scares or take their last breath within walls like these. Healthcare heroes know more than most that life circumstances can change in a heartbeat. Certainty can go out the window. Normal can become abnormal. We have all been reminded of this sobering reality over the last 10 weeks. We have experienced a worldwide valley of sorts with the pandemic, the loss of jobs, people filing for unemployment, countless plans canceled, and disappointment after disappointment. But as Christians, we are charged with not letting the ebbs and flows of everyday life take away what we know to be true. 
and that is that God is with us and we are never alone. And we have hope in life beyond this one, in life beyond what we can see right here. And this hope, it's not a fleeting thing. It's not false optimism. It's not fake it till you make it positivity. No, we have hope as a sign of our faith. We have hope that God is bigger and stronger than even the worst thing we can experience in this life. Author and theologian Kate Bowler recently said, Hope is a sign of God's presence. It is about the belief that the story of God in the world is a story about us now and the future. God is pulling us towards something greater than we could ask for or imagine. We hope, knowing that God is working on the restoration of the world, life after death, when we are all made whole. That is Christian hope. Hope does not mean that we should pretend to never feel sad or frustrated or angry, especially when we see injustice in the world, because those are totally normal human emotions. But following Christ means that even when we get down, sad, and frustrated, we still have hope, knowing that God is with us. When we have reached rock bottom, we know that we have hope that this is not the end. As our youth director, Leanne, reminded us last week in our eight graduating seniors, God is with us on the hills and when we are in the valleys, because God is Emmanuel, and that is why we rejoice in the Lord always. Throughout our lockdown, we've been making midweek devotional videos, and I've had a lot of fun with this, reaching out to many of you, families in our church, those connected with Ashland Place, and asking them to send in a video answering a question or singing a song. The question I asked this week was, where have you seen God this week? The answers ranged from, I've seen God in nature, to I've seen God through wearing face masks, I have seen God through hot dogs, through giving of a community. It's a wide range that shows the diversity of God and the way God shows up for us in our lives. But possibly my favorite video that was sent in last week was from the Moore family. You know them from around the congregation, Josh and Emily and their three kids. You have raised them, you have known them, and they sent in a great song for this week. The song is called My God, and the chorus says this, My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. And at the end of each little chorus, Ann Redding looks at the camera and says, for you as a reminder that this God that's so big and so strong and so mighty is for you and for you and for you and for all of us. It is a really cute video with a powerful message about who God is and how God acts in the world. Our God is bigger and stronger than anything we encounter in this life, the heights or the depths. Songs like this one help children learn about God and our faith. A faith that says, no matter our circumstance, God is bigger and stronger. There's nothing our God cannot do. And friends, while it is week 10 of social distancing, it is week six of Easter. We are people that celebrate that Christ is risen from the dead, breaking the chains of sin and death that separate us from God eternally. Because of the incarnation, the life, the death and resurrection of Jesus, we have hope. Though we are living with tremendous uncertainty right now, we can exist here faithfully as we rejoice in that hope we have in God. Not because life always feels certain or happy or secure or good, 
but because we have hope knowing that God is with us and that changes everything. We hope knowing that God is still working, that beautiful things are still possible. We acknowledge that our world is not heaven, it's not exactly how it's supposed to be, but we hope because we see glimpses of God all around us. So whether we are on a hill or in a valley, whether we are at home or in a hospital, in person or online, God is present. God is with us. So let us rejoice in the Lord always as a sign of the hope we have in the risen Christ. In the name of God, our creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Amen.